This is the Speaker for the Living podcast, exploring the depths of human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. Hello, everyone. My name is Seth Dare. I'm here with JJ Janflown. And we're both graduates of the Joseph Corbell School of International Studies at the University of Denver in their International Studies program. We were also part of the Human Trafficking Center, and the Human Trafficking Center had some alliances with sex workers and uh, erotic service providers. And today uh-huh. we are going to talk about strippers. Yes, strippers or exotic dancers because there is a difference between the two but in particular we are going to be talking i this is bad stuff i just want to sing like stripper 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 it's a fun word so here's here's the issue for those of you who don't know what a stripper is and we are going to use the term stripper when we're referring specifically to these court cases that are ongoing because that is the term that was used in the documentation and that's being used in the news. When we're talking about sort of sex workers in a broader sense, we're going to be using the term erotic service providers. Okay? So a stripper or an exotic dancer is a person who takes off clothing or dances about and performs a striptease okay so and the idea is that whether they end up completely nude or just partially nude or not nude at all say you know like more of a go-go dancer they are doing something that is considered kind of titillating or suggestive of sex happening all right and you can be male female or gender non-conforming and be a stripper Now, here is the issue. Going beyond sort of the issue of zoning. So every state in the U.S. has different specific laws in the books related to, A, the establishments that you are allowed to perform in, and B, the type of performance you're allowed to do as an exotic dancer. To clarify – Exotic dancing is typically legal in mm-hmm. in most states or all states, something like that. So it is legal, but it's the type of dancing. So can you actually go completely nude? Mm-hmm. Or do you have to keep bottoms on? Or do the nipples have to be covered? Right. That's, Mainly that's what changes. Clarifying for the audience, differentiating it from st- the standard process types of prostitution which tend to be illegal in the United oh, States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um so exotic dancing is normally listed because the US is kind of a weird place legally with this, is that exotic dancing is normally listed as what we would consider to be legal and or sort of less socially unacceptable forms of sex work. So, so to be an exotic dancer or to be involved in sort of doing cam shows or certain types of pornography in certain states, that's legal. Whereas prostitution or escort servicing or like sort of the wider erotic service provision, those are not. 
So it gets really really involved and then you end up have things like municipal codes like if there are strippers who are showing nipples you can't serve alcohol after a certain time it's just it all becomes if you've ever owned a business or operated a business it becomes just as complicated as running say like a restaurant with what food you're allowed to serve and, and that sort of thing and also you are not permitted as a viewer to touch the dancers and that's not a just broadly speaking, that's not like a club-specific rule. That's actually a legal rule that you are not permitted to touch. There is not allowed to be contact. Uh, lap dances kind of skirt the legality of that, but that you are not allowed to have contact between client and dancer because that moves it into the realm of prostitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And to add sort of a disclaimer at this point realizing that this is not comfortable for everyone as a reminder jj and i are i'm from more of a pentecostal background originally jj's catholic background originally we're still still part of our life in some way (laughs) never really taught me a lot about the stripping industry (laughs) yeah and strippers like i don't morally approve and it's not something that i think is great for the world but that's my personal belief see i'm kind of a little bit different from you on that because while i have sort of varied opinions on erotic service provide like the the process of providing those services in other areas i am perfectly fine with exotic dancing largely because it's a legal safe you know quote unquote arena for men and women to make money and i don't really see the huge difference between someone choosing to dance in a strip club versus someone choosing to model for say victoria's secret it's it's still selling that or or using the commodification of a particular type of normative sex that's popular to succeed and and so i I don't mind it because I don't have sort of the same reservations or fear that I have that there's not a way to do this and necessarily be healthier or have protections under the law. Yeah, those and are valid I know... points. I yeah. Well, to finish my my thought, like I highly differentiate my beliefs, which my personal beliefs toward things like this skew conservative, but mm-hmm. my social beliefs skew liberal. So yeah. where I think, well, this is legal. And and I like you make some good points as far as differentiating level of safety, a level of impact, etc. I want to recognize that there are human beings who are doing something legal and not to look down on people, like not to dehumanize people and to try to understand where people are at and what they're trying to do with their lives. And from a trafficking standpoint or from a... a uh, labor exploitation standpoint. And we're specifically going to talk and focus on the uh, Shotgun Willies topless nightclub. The headline I saw this week and sent to JJ because it's not a headline I see every day. Strippers sue Shotgun Willies nightclub claiming exploitation. And people have a right not to be exploited. They have a right to work and get paid. And in this case... They are seeking unpaid back wages, overtime pay, fees, shared tips, etc. And there's uh, some court documents or a court document that we could link to. But like you, just because 
you're doing something that not everyone approves of, whether it's legally, spiritually, religiously, whatever, doesn't mean it's okay for you to be exploited or have your wages stolen because some of the things that are being alleged are wage theft. Like, yeah. this is this is not okay. And strippers deserve dignity too. Everybody deserves exactly. dignity. That's that long disclaimer. So anyway, continue, JJ. So here's here's on legal grounds, then, to go back to this. So for most cases, exotic dancers are labeled as independent contractors. And what being an independent contractor means is that you have very few rights on, on sort of a worker level. Independent contractors do not are not required to have from the, because they're working for themselves. They're working as their own entity. They don't, they're not an employee. So they don't have to be provided with things like healthcare. They don't have to be provided with things like a particular set time of, of, of work. So like, you know, the 40 hour work week, they don't have to be set for a particular, you know, minimum wage requirement. And so they really just don't have a lot of protections and it really, really is terrible when you come to an industry like exotic dancing, because what generally happens is that these exotic dancers pay what is called a club fee. So for the right to go and dance on a stage at a place like Shotgun Willie's, you pay a fee. And the bigger, you know, sort of the more high traffic or sort of, you know, like, a Friday night, obviously, is going to be way more expensive than a Tuesday morning, right? So you pay your fee to dance, but then you are also generally expected to tip out to the bartender, the servers, because a lot of these places will have, like, sort of waitresses and things, the bouncers, so the DJ who plays your music. So you're paying for the privilege to be there to work, and you're consistently paying money to other people who should be being paid by the place that you're dancing in. So you're paying for the privilege of dancing. And that's unfortunate because a lot of the times you maybe don't make, because what you're making as an exotic dancer is you're making those tips, right? So if you don't make, though, the tips needed, you can actually go into debt while dancing. And that to me is insane. So what's come out of sort of workers or sort of sex workers or sort of erotic service providers more broadly, but specifically exotic dancers, what they've started to do is they've actually started to unionize starting as early in the 70s, but really kind of it exploding now, them saying that we're not independent contractors. You advertise that we're going to be at your club. You're, no one's going to come to a strip club that has no one stripping. <laughs> like they don't love the cocktails that much, you know, so that we should be people in this group saying we should be provided these rights that we would get through unionization or other forms of collectivization because dancing itself then is a profession. It's not private contractors. It's people dancing in a set space in a particular way. And this was, I think, first argued successfully in 2009 in Massachusetts where dancers now can no longer be classified as independent contractors. Once you are no longer considered an independent contractor, 
you now can get Title IX protections, you can get health care, you can get workman's compensation. So let's say you're a dancer and somebody grabs you and you fall off stage and you break your arm. Right now, whatever individual insurance you have would have to pay for that. Whereas if you're no longer an independent contractor, now the club that you were dancing in is required to cover you. They're required to give you workman's compensation. And if they choose to go after the person who injured you, that's fine. They could do that. But you just have that protection. You also get things like retirement benefits. You can do a 401k. You have a lot more options. And there are people, just just like there are people who are sort of anti-union, there are exotic dancers who are sort of not fond of this idea of unionization you do also simultaneously have a lot more sort of individual freedom as a contractor an independent contractor you're not tied to one particular club but those protections are useful because as an independent contractor you're really limited in terms of even like suing for something like sexual harassment now shotgun willies which i love just because that name is terrible (laughs) In researching this, I, I learned Willie Nelson came up with an album called Shotgun Willie. Is that is that what it is? Probably. I'm just I'm so I'm so perplexed because it sits in a in a Target parking lot here in Denver. I pass it all the time, and I'm just so perplexed by it because it's like that, and then like a Chick Fil A, and I just there you go. I thought it was a rodeo bar at first, and then eventually like the live girl sign came up, and I was like, oh, there we go all you need so this particular case is a class action lawsuit it was filed by four dancers who said that they have unpaid back wages they lack their overtime pay they had to pay ridiculous fees sort of things like access to like a dj which like how are you supposed to do your job without music and then fines for things like coming in late coming or what they consider to be late, leaving early, that sort of thing. And what they are just defining as, quote, all other unlawful kickbacks, end quote. I'm not entirely sure what that means. I'm hoping that that will come out. I'm assuming it's just sort of other fines. And they are explaining about in in sort of um, the articles that the biggest issue is, one, stage rent, that you're required to pay money to dance and two that you are being forced to tip out to bouncers djs and other employees and then by other employees i think in particular they probably do mean like the wait staff and and the bartenders but it could it could it, even be things like sometimes these places will have cleaning staff no it specifies it uh the bouncers disc jockeys door person dance counter and valets perfect yeah so the the car valets you were somehow required to tip out to them to pay them for the right for you to dance. And that to me just seems very silly. Yeah. And in this case, they had to pay house fees of up to a hundred dollars in order to be allowed to work. That's crazy. In addition to everything else. And that to me, and I do know specifically just, just from reading this, but from also talking to other uh, people who are product service providers, not shotgun willies in other places, but one of one of the things that often comes in too is that strippers are told that they have to wear approved outfits or high heels sort of at all times and they'll also have kind of normally very strict physical requirements so like how how much weight you're permitted to have 
sort of your stats, like hip to breast ratio or like that, like that sort of thing. And when you're an independent contractor, that is lawful. They're allowed to say, no, we're not going to hire you based on the service we think you can provide. And part of that service is your appearance. If you are no longer an independent contractor, but then an employee, you then, instead of having it just be, oh, well, it's what so-and-so says it's appropriate, you actually have like a codified, like it's a book of what are you allowed to wear? What are you not allowed to wear? What are the rules? What are sort of the deductions? What is the minimum wage? I mean, if you've ever worked in my first job ever, that was like a non-babysitting role. I worked in high school at a Borders. And on the first day, you got an employee handbook that was like, what are you allowed to wear? What are you not allowed to wear? How are you allowed to behave? And if I had been written up or fired for a violation of the handbook, I then had options as an employee to go to a supervisor or someone higher up and say, this was an unlawful firing. It didn't say that in the handbook. When you're an independent contractor, you don't have that protection. And so you can see how this maybe kind of opens people up to exploitation because you don't have the same degree of protection. And so in this case, they are alleging labor exploitation of various types. And if this is accurate, it, they are saying that their employer did illegal things. And the employer, like typically when employers like don't classify employees correctly, they're not going to be arrested. They'll pay back wages, stuff like that, which is one of the reasons why they do it, because the penalties really aren't always that great, where it's like if somebody files a civil suit and you lose and you end up having to pay back back wages, Mm -hmm. I almost said back pages. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) But, uh, you know, wage theft is something we'll do an episode or two about later, but that's you know, part of this equation. Certainly there's a spectrum of exploitation. We are not saying that this is sex trafficking, although this sort of thing can be part of it or can lead to it. We also do not equate JJ and I. We do not equate prostitution with sex trafficking. We don't equate Mm -mm. sex work with, with sex trafficking or erotic services like erotic dancing with sex trafficking. And that's a whole other discussion as well. But a lot of that has to do about the level of agency, you know, whether there's force, fraud, or coercion. And, uh, but you know, a lot of it has to do with the level of choice al- along with the level of exploitation. Like if somebody is in prostitution and all the indicators of sex trafficking are there, well, then that particular instance is actually sex trafficking, not prostitution. But in this case, you know, based on the allegations... And when you're withholding wages, then that gives leverage and that can lead to severe forms of exploitation as it sometimes do. Like when you have people who are promised jobs from other countries and they come into the U.S. and they expect to be in a restaurant and then they end up being an erotic dancer. And in that case, they have so much less leverage, it's harder for them to do what these strippers are doing here, which is to find a good lawyer and file a class action lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to see this more and more with sort of workers in a variety of sort of independent contractor roles fighting for unionization and fighting for workers' rights. I I know there was sort of a concern that 
exploitation does tend to go up when you have an economic downturn because people are trying to make money however they can and people get kind of in desperate situations and then are trying to make money as best they can. But what I've seen instead is that there's been a, an increasing push, and I think the internet has a lot to do with it, and sort of just the acceptability of, of fighting for your rights has increased. Uh, I love this, that more and more groups, including people who are in kind of stigmatized groups, like erotic service providers, fighting for their rights and, and fighting for their ability to be recognized. Yeah. And I guess if, if, if you are currently attending uh, or going to strip clubs – uh, check to see if they've had <laughs> lawsuits brought against them because this this one against Shotgun Willies is just one in a series of sort of like a nationwide rollout of class action lawsuits. But beyond beyond that, you know, check and say, hey, are you are you being provided for? And then beyond that, you know, maybe tip more, tip tip a little higher, and on the off chance that your dancer has to uh, tip out. Um, we'll link to the actual case and uh, Denver Post article. I'll also link to a Westward article, which has a comment from the lawyer. You know, the end of this article says, Why do clubs continue to utilize such a payment approach in the face of court losses? Newman has a theory. Quote, There's so much stigma attached to the work these women are doing, and the owners of the club rely on that stigma in continuing to oppress them. They hope that people will be discouraged from standing up because they'll be discriminated against by the work they're doing. But people deserve to be paid for their work no matter what they do. End quote. She adds, quote, it takes extraordinary courage for these women to stand up, and that's what they're doing. Just maybe to kind of to wrap things up, I mean, I know this has been kind of a brief one, and it is kind of a clickbaity title, you know, like strippers and labor rights. But I think there's this perception in the field of human trafficking that there are... And this is not a view that Seth and I have, but this is certainly a, a view that you've encountered in a number of anecdotal cases. But also there's been some great books written about it in particular. I'm thinking of Yvonne Zimmerman's Other Dreams of Freedom. So this this idea of what is an acceptable victim and who who is a victim worthy of our, our time or our attention or society's time and attention. And for some reason, anyone involved in erotic service provision gets left out of that almost I think because kind of what Seth mentioned, this sort of preconception that like to sell sex is to be dirty or to be flawed in some way. And like even to sell the suggestion of sex, like a, a exotic dancer would do is wrong. But in reality, everyone is selling their time. Everyone is selling their labor. And if your labor and time are taken from you and you're not compensated from that, then you are a victim. And if you are a victim of labor exploitation, you are likely to also be a victim of human trafficking. It's not a given but it's just as, as we've talked about in so many podcasts it's just that you just keep adding up risk factors until people are in a very dangerous situation and so that things like strip clubs are are moving because of the people who dance them themselves are pushing for unionization and, and codifying of the rules this is great because then if there are trafficking victims in there it won't get brushed under like oh well this same as it ever was it's just ex another day another type of exploitation it gives people the right to say oh this is what's acceptable what's happening to me is not acceptable i am allowed to get legal protection for it and i'm hoping that that happens sooner rather than later so one final point while labor exploitation might have different types of wage theft, people might not be paid.
paid fairly. Sometimes they might struggle or in otherwise be made dependent. But if somebody is paid well, and there are strippers who are paid well, that doesn't make it okay for wage theft to occur. There isn't a direct correlation here, although it could, you know, less pay could be mean less leverage. But if if all of these women happen to be making a lot of money, that doesn't make this any less serious. Like, yes, you can't just be misclassified as an employee and have all these things where you have a lot of labor value to this company or another club, and you deserve to be paid fairly and honestly for what for what you're doing. And and also the adage of, well, you can always go work somewhere else. I mean, that's easier in theory than practice. And yes. frankly, is just BS. Like, there's there's only... It, it still isn't okay. Like, if somebody is doing something illegal and not paying you fairly... Yes. What, it, we talk about, as a country, about law enforcement and law and order, but then say, well, free market, and you can leave your, your choice. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> if we're going to have law and order, we have it across the board, or we don't. So in this particular case, just again, if, if it's illegal... And if they're not doing certain things that, and by not doing certain things, it's, it's exploitative, it's wrong, and it should be rectified. Agreed. So yes, that's a little foray, and uh, we'll talk more about some of these issues in the future. Maybe we'll have Yvonne Zimmerman on. I imagine she would come Oh, that on. would be wonderful. And that's that. All right. We will bid you goodbye for the week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Tip your dancers. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com. <laughs>